The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. come before your presence in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your presence. Lord, we ask today that you change our lives, that you take us higher in you. Lord, heal everyone in this place that is sick in the body. Open the doors for everyone in this place whose doors have been shut at them. Lord, promote everyone in this place that has been stagnated. Above all, Father, change our lives and make us more like Jesus and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you, Jesus. In Jesus' amazing name we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. Let's pronounce together for the best choir on the face of the earth. Um... Today, we are in part six of our series, Did Jesus Really Say That? If you are joining us for the first time, if you've missed any of these teachings, I encourage you to, to get these um, this, this messages. We explained at the beginning that growing up as um, a, new, a new believer, I, I, I love to read the words of Jesus, of course. And, and many times, when I'm reading the words of Jesus, sometimes they read the third Bible, sometimes not, and... I come across certain statements of Jesus that shock me. And, 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 I, and I say, did Jesus really say that? You know? And, and, and from about six weeks ago, we began to take one of those, each of those statements, and we began to unpack them. In, in part one of, of this series, we looked at Jesus saying, do not resist an evil person. And, and we unpacked that in part two. We looked at Jesus saying, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. That was really interesting. And in part three, we looked at Jesus saying, the words you say will acquit or condemn you. In part four, we looked at eat my flesh and drink my blood. In part five, which was last week, we looked at Jesus saying, I did not come for peace. And today, by the grace of God, which are we looking at? Well, we have a little left. If your eye causes you to lost, pluck it out. I want you to look at your neighbor and say to them, if your eye causes you to lost, pluck it out. Are you ready this morning? Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 and 30. Matthew 5, 29 and 30. I read from the New Living Translation. The Word of God says that, So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lost, gouge it out. Pluck it out. Don't just pluck it out and keep it for transplant. Pluck it out and what? Did Jesus really say that? <laughs> Pluck it out and throw it away. We have a lot of one-eyed men walking around 
It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, if you're right-handed or left-handed, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown to hell. And you see, Many times, because of the scripture particularly, there have been a lot of arguments. You know, some people say, oh, Jesus was talking figuratively. Some people say, oh, no, Jesus meant exactly what he said. Cut it off and throw it away. Some non-Christians that are troublesome um, 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 argue that Christians only want to obey the easy things that Jesus said. That Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, remove it. How come Christians are not removing their eyes? But when Jesus says, you will not be the tail, you will be the head. The Christians will say, I receive it. And Jesus says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Why aren't we doing that? We're going to unpack this. And to really understand this, you see, you need to, if you look at the original text, Jesus was using a figure of speech known as uh, hyperbole. Now, hyperbole, it's, it's a combination of two words, hyperbole, over and above, to throw it off board. And it is, it's an, a, a, an hyperbole or a hyperbole, basically, is a specially designed exaggeration for the purpose of emphasis, especially designed exaggeration for the purpose of emphasis. And we use hyperboles a lot. Even our parents use hyperboles a lot. My mom used hyperboles a lot. I mean, how many of us here have had our parents say to you, I will skin you alive today? Hyperbole. How many of you have had your, your parents say, to, I mean, my mom has said to me before, we are going to wear the same trouser in this house. In other words, you put one leg in one, me too, I put one leg in, then we will tie together. Hyperbole. How many times do you want to play a chess game with your friend and you say to your friend, I'm going to finish you today? It's not that you really want to kill the guy. You are just trying to put some fear in him so that he begins to make mistakes. Hyperbole. So we, we, when we want, when our parents, and some of us are parents, we use it a lot. You say to your child, I'm not going to pay your school fees again. How many parents have said that? Let me see your hands up. Okay, 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 they are confessing. I'm not going to pay your school fees again. Because you're going to pay the next time. When we want to get a message that we don't want people to forget across, we use hyperboles. Jesus was using that figure of speech in this case. And why would Jesus use that? Now, to explain why Jesus does that a lot of the time is if, if you understand how the human brain works, you know, you have different parts of the brain, you distend the medulla oblongata, and da, da 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 the left side, the right side. At the base of the of the bay of the brain is, is what they call the reticular activating system. The reticular reticular activating system basically big word, but basically this is what it does. It filters what actually gets processed in our subconscious. So Scientists tell us that if the brain 
receives all the signals that are coming at it, the brain will go mad. No human being can process everything that is coming at it. So God has put a filter in place that filters what comes in, throws away most of everything that is coming in, and just filters what comes in. And they've proven scientifically that only three things can come in. And when those three things come, the filter always allow it in. Number one, the things we value. The things we value. So that explains why a, a mother can be in a room sleeping and beside a window, trailers are passing, she wouldn't wake up. There's a lot of noise on the TV, she wouldn't wake up. But once the baby in the other room makes, what happens to the mother? She jumps up. Why? Reticular activating system. So what you value Second thing that always passes through the RAS is, is what, you, what is unique. Things that you've never seen before, you, you don't miss it. You, you just always take note of it. And the third thing that whenever it shows up, always passes through the reticular activating system is what threatens your safety. What threatens you. So if you are walking down the street and you see a lion, you will notice You may not notice the cockroach. Well, there are some women we always notice cockroaches. <laughs> but anything that threatens you, you will notice. So when Jesus wants to get a message across, he uses hyperboles to, to shock us so that we can see how important what he's trying to say is. In this case, Jesus was trying to show us how important Sin can be in determining the eternity of a man or a woman. Unfortunately, these days, we've played down sin so much that Jesus is trying to point our attention back to say to you and I that sin is totally very dangerous. And this is Jesus speaking himself. He's saying, sin is heavy. He's saying sin is not as trivial as you think it is. If your eye causes you to sin, cut it off. And you're like, is, is, is it that serious? Jesus is saying, yes, it is that serious. Jesus did not say, if your hand causes you to sin, plead the blood. You know, some people, what they get to is that if your leg causes you to sin, just say the blood of Jesus. Jesus said, this is me, I'm telling you. If your leg causes you to sin, the solution is what? Wow. Oh, I've, I've read all the sort of analysis on this scripture. Some people say, oh, Jesus was talking to people that were not Christians. If the, the Jews were not, I shake my head. Why do people just have selective um, um, I don't want to say memory, but select, they are very selective in scriptures. When the Bible says that you will be above only, you will never be beneath. That's the Deuteronomy, Old Testament. They receive it. But when God says, live a pure life, they say, oh, that is in the Old Testament. Something is definitely wrong with that. Definitely wrong with that. Now, these are the words of Jesus, and the words of Jesus are not to be ignored at all. At all. 
is saying, sin is heavy. My son, my daughter, sin is, is heavy. I was reading a commentary on this um, passage of scripture by Matthew Henry. And, and, and it says that everything is bestowed to save us from our sins and not in them. You know, many times we want to be saved in our sins. So, what does that mean? It means we, we want to continue in the sin. I just want to receive grace. You know, everybody say grace. You know, many times we just turn that word upside down. The grace of God that leads to salvation teaches us to depart from sin. I think that is in Philemon. You need to understand that God wants to save you from your sins. We prefer the blood that we keep walking why we keep sinning? And God says, no. The blood will work to remove you and deliver you and I from sin. So, Jesus is speaking and has always been speaking clearly. Clearly about hell. Clearly about heaven. And Jesus was clear. What was it clear about? Sin can take you to hell. That's what Jesus is saying. Sin can take you to hell. That's what he's saying. Don't toy with sin. Don't toy with sin. Someone says, oh, pastor, I, I know my limits. You know? Don't toy with sin. Don't toy with sin. It is better to enter eternal life with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown to hell. That is what Jesus is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, but when, we, when we look at this, sometimes it's easy to get it mixed up and think, oh, Jesus doesn't want me to toy with sin. And, and we think we can do something about sin. Really, there's nothing any man and woman can do about sin. We don't have power in ourselves. Only Jesus, and Jesus has sorted out sin, because sin is Jesus' responsibility. And if there's anything you're taking from this teaching, you need to understand this clearly. Sin is not your responsibility. Sin is whose responsibility? Jesus is responsible for taking care of sin. We are responsible for taking care of the Things that causes us to sin. Huge difference. Jesus is responsible for taking care of sin. And we are responsible for taking care of the things that causes us to sin. If your eye causes you to sin, you are responsible. Pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, who is responsible? Oh, God, help me. Oh, this hand, help me. No, 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 no. God says, you are responsible. And Jesus took care of the sin of the world, past, present, and future. He took care of all our sins on the cross of Calvary. He dealt with what is known as the three P's of sin. Jesus dealt with the three P's of sin on the cross of Calvary. What are the three P's of sin? Pastor, simple. The three pieces of, of sin is, is the pollution of sin, the penalty of sin, and the power of sin. 
So Jesus already took care of the power of sin, the penalty of sin, and the pollution of sin. Jesus already took care of it. And I'm going to show you in the scriptures, look at penalty of sin. In Romans chapter 8, verse 23, Romans 8, 23, the word of God says in Romans 8, 23, that the wages of sin is, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So, the soul that sinned will die. And all have sins. You and I sinned. All, you and I deserve to die. But, can you please put up that scripture again? But, even though the wages of sin is death, all deserves to die. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Jesus took care of the penalty of sin. Jesus took care so that he paid the wages of sin. He took your place on the cross of Calvary. He took my place on the cross of Calvary. So we don't have to die. Shouldn't we be excited about that? Praise the name of the Lord. We should be. Because nobody can atone for his sins. All our righteousness is like filthy rags outside of Christ. So Jesus took care of the penalty of sin. Number two, Jesus took care of the power of sin. He took care of the power of sin. Scripture, Romans 6, 10. Romans 6, 10 to 14. The word of God says, when he died, he died once to break what? The power of sin. So you also should consider yourselves God say, consider yourselves dead to the power of sin. Consider yourself, look at yourself and, and, and reckon that you are dead to sin. That's what the word of God says. And alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Because the power of sin is broken over you. Don't let sin control the way that you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body Ever say your body? Any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself how? Completely to God. The challenge is that, so, you know, we, people sometimes we give ourselves gradually to God. You know, your toe on your left foot gets saved last Sunday. Then your knee got saved the day after. Then your right hand. Then, you know, the word of God says if a man is in Christ, is a what? New creation. Whoa, total. Totally new. So God wants us to give ourselves completely to God. For you were dead. But now, you have what? New life. So use your, your what? Come on, your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Sin no longer has power over you. Sin is no longer your master for you are not under the law. You are no longer under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So Jesus already took care of the penalty of sin 
Jesus already took care of the power of sin. And Jesus also took care of the pollution. Because sometimes we are not facing the penalty. Sin doesn't have power, but we, are, we still feel polluted. We still feel filthy. We still feel guilty. But I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus has taken care of that pollution. So you're going to walk out of this place free from guilt and filth in Jesus' name. Show you in the Bible? Of course I'll show you in the Bible. 1 John 1, 7. The Word of God says in 1 John 1, 7 that but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus' Son does what? Cleanses us from a few of our sins. From the simple sins that we have committed. From the sins that are not very big. From all. Like Pastor Dami said, take a deep breath. <sighs> Doesn't that feel good? Jesus has cleansed us and is consistently cleansing us from all our sin. All our sin. Oh, that's so refreshing. I would say, all our sins. So, the question now is, (laughs) okay, pastor, if Jesus took care of of sin, why bother? Is he taking care of the power of sin? Is he taking care of the penalty of sin? Is he taking care of the pollution of sin? So, why bother? Why can't I just live my life and just, you know, blagious, you know, and just... And Jesus has taken care of sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 15. Romans 6, 15. The word of God says in Romans 6, 15. It says, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Now, here is the key. He says, of course not. Don't you realize that you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which will lead to death. Which leads to death. Or you can choose, everybody say choose. You can choose to obey God, which leads to what? Righteous living. So, no, 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 no. Get this. God is saying, now you have been delivered. You have been delivered from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, from the pollution of of sin. You are free. Now, choose. Are you going to choose sin or are you going to choose God? Before you choose, God is saying two things. Whichever one you choose, you become a slave of. That's number one. Number two, whichever one you choose, the result is already predetermined. You only have the power to choose. You don't have the power to choose the outcome. If you choose God, the outcome is predetermined in his life. If you choose sin, the outcome is predetermined is what? Now choose. Isn't it amazing how God still allows us to choose? And that explains why people can be Saved and, and can, can still be servants to, to sin. 
And Jesus is saying, if you continue that way, you will, it will take you to hell. The error of once saved, forever saved is a big fat lie. And you see, which is a challenge of, of people understanding righteousness. You see, righteousness, like I was saying yesterday at the Saturday um, service, righteousness is something that by God's grace I've studied extensively. And, and at the end of the study, <laughs> there's also for analysis, there's the Lutheran um, analysis, Luther talking about the righteousness of God, the righteousness from God. Then the, the method is the Wesleyan guys talks about the imputed righteousness, the imparted righteousness. And at the end of the day, if you read everything, you can get confused. But I've distilled it down to just two things. Just two things. And these are my own words. There is the inflow of righteousness. Everybody say inflow. There's the inflow of righteousness. And the inflow of righteousness, we didn't work for it. We can never work for it. It's of God. It's from God. It's a gift. So, with the inflow of righteousness, we have the, we have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We have the righteousness of Christ However, there's a second leg. The inflow must, God expects, and it must produce an outflow of righteousness. The inflow of righteousness is from God. The outflow of righteousness is to men. So, the outflow of righteousness is you have received righteousness from God. Now, your works should be righteous. But you see, the error going around is that you have received the righteousness from God, it doesn't matter what you do. Because there's nothing you can do that can change that righteousness, which is true, because it's from God. But what you do shows if you have that righteousness or not. The pastor, can you, can you please give me a scripture to back that up? I understand what you're saying. What you're saying makes sense. Can you give me a scripture? Of course. First John 3, 7. 1 John 3, 7. The word of God says in 1 John 3, 7, it says, Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are what? Righteous. Even as Christ is righteous. When people do what is right. So, there is the outflow of righteousness that shows you have obtained the inflow of righteousness from God. That is of Jesus Christ. That's the word of God. So, Jesus is responsible for taking care of sin. But guess what? We are responsible for taking care of the things that causes us to sin. If your hand causes you to sin, Jesus says what? I can't hear you. Say it like you made it. Cut it off, hand. I love the choir. They're always on my side. <laughs> what Jesus is saying is we are responsible for taking care of the things that causes us to sin. So, 
you and I, we need to be brutal when it comes to the things that causes us to sin. We need to be what? Cut off and throw away. Now, Jesus brings this home to us and makes it very personal to us and says, if your hand causes you to sin, your hand is stealing money that is not supposed to steal. Jesus is saying, cut it off. I mean, you, the, the mere thought of that, if your eyes, he says, gorge it out. Ah. You know, why would he do that? Jesus is saying that for one reason. And the reason is, if you can cut off your eyes because of eternal life, what can't you cut off for eternal life? If you can cut off your eyes because of eternal life, what habit can't you cut off? If you can cut off your hand, what bottle can't you let go of? That's what Jesus is saying. If you, if you, if you, can, if you can cut off your legs, which girls are you chasing that you cannot let go of? Those legs, God says, cut them off. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, Jesus is bringing it home to show us that if you can do these radical things, then cutting off a relationship for Christ fades into insignificance. Which one is easier? Removing your eyes or stop watching pornography? Which one is easier? Eh? Jesus says, if you don't stop, I will remove the eyes. Which one will you do? Will it, will it be difficult to stop watching? Every time you want to watch, you remember your eyes is going to be popped up. What would you do? You see that it's not, it's not actually very simple. That's what Jesus is trying to make us realize. That when you, when, you, when you put this thing side by side, it fades. It fades into insignificance. pales out. It's incomparable. All the things that we think we cannot do without. Jesus is saying, big fat lie. Yes, you can. You can do without stick of marijuana. You can do without it. You can do without that Cigarette. You can do without even the innocent things. The blackberry messengers. You see, a lot of people are going to go to hell because of blackberry messengers. You know that? WhatsApp is going to carry a lot of people to hell. Not you. Say amen. If, don't you know, did you know that the Federal Bureau of Investigation in the U.S. archives all your tweets, all your WhatsApp messages, all your... Um, Facebook is archived. Do you know that? Even when you delete it, it's archived. A lot of people don't know that. Guess what? If man can archive, God has an archive for you. <laughs> Wait till in heaven. They will just show you all those pictures you have been sending. But the blood of Jesus can wipe it off today. <laughs> 
That's the difference between God's archive and FBI's archive. God's archive, God can cleanse it with the blood. FBI, you don't go cleanse that more. So it's possible. That's why some people, they will make a lot of mouths. Then they will become quiet. Do you know why? They've called them aside and they've shown them. I see you. See what you have. It's better than what you are saying. You know? For some people, as harmless as the TV is, you need to deliver your soul and turn off the tube. Okay, it's not tube anymore. It's a flat screen. Turn off the flat screen. So that you can gather yourself. I've shared with you how I just refused to, to renew my subscription for my pay TV for, for about a month or two, over a month. And I, I, I'm the pastor. I struggled with it for the first few days. I struggled because I would get home, I, I want to put on the TV. Oh, it's blank. And I was like, ah. I felt something was leaving me. It's called deliverance. Praise the name of God. Of course, I watch TV. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. TV is neutral, actually. It's what comes out of it that determines what, whether it's negative or not. God is saying, cut it off. But pastor, it's going to be painful. I know. And it can be painful. I know. I know because I, <laughs> like I said, if I tell you my stories of what I've got, it's painful. Ah, but for eternal life, it's nothing. That's what Jesus is saying. For eternal life, it is what? It is nothing. In 1 Peter 4, 1, 1 Peter 4, 1, the word of God says in 1 Peter 4, 1, it says, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourself with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. Someone said to me, Pastor, what I'm feeling, is that I'm not just feeling emotional pain. This is physically painful. I said, yes. But read what it says here. For if you suffer physically for Christ, you are what? You are finished with sin. Sin has no place in you. Has no power over you. That's what the word of God says. In Hebrews 12, verse 3, the word of God says, consider him. Hebrews 12, 3, consider him who endured such contradictions, such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. In your struggle against sin, have you resisted unto shedding of your blood yet? Another transition says, the NIV says, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. In other words, God says, when it comes to resisting sin, be willing to resist it to the point of bloodshed. Wow. You know, this thing is, is heavier than we think it is. Says, but pastor, if, if I don't sleep with the man, I, I will not be able to, to eat breakfast. God says, even lunch and dinner. You must be able to let it go 
resist. That's what the word of God is saying. And, and when you put that side by side with, with eternity, it's nothing. It's nothing. In fact, I love this guy, Job. Job 31.1. Very proactive man. Job says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to lust after a young lady. You know why what Job is saying? Job is saying that rather than lose these eyes, eyes, yeah, let's have a deal. You will not look so that you will not be plucked out. Deal? Deal. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Be proactive and have to deal. I mean, come on. Personally, I'm so grateful to God. I mean, for that gift of not seeing some things that, you know, maybe because they're not valuable to me, they're not threatening me, and I don't see them as unique. So they don't even pass my filter. Many things, many, you know, people say, oh, if this is a person, she exposed her breast. I said, I didn't even see it. I'm telling you, I don't see them. I'm having a conversation with my wife. I mean, you know, women, you know, they pass beside you once. And we are, we are just walking. My wife is telling me she's wearing a pink shirt with a, did you see the combination? I said, I didn't see nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and I'm grateful to God. The scripture we, we, we prayed in Psalm 119, verse 30, 37, it says, Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. So again, we see that Jesus is responsible for taking care of sin. But we are responsible for taking care of the things that causes us to sin. If you have a distant cousin that has an infection in his leg and in one of his toes, uh, yeah, and the doctor who is your friend says to you, this toe infection doesn't have treatment. And it will spread so fast and infect his whole body and he will die. Three weeks max. And you're like, so pastor, what do we do? See, that little toe, when we cut it off, you free the whole body from that infection. What would you say to your cousin? Your cousin says, you are so wicked. Why are you always preaching bad, bad messages for me? Why are you always... You say, you say, Oga, if you don't cut it off, I'm going to carry you. In fact, you'll be thinking of why you're going to sedate him to sleep so that you can carry him and cut it off. Why? Because you know he will thank you later. 
That little toe is nothing compared to losing a whole life. And that's what God is saying to you this morning. Cut it off and save the whole life. Well, yeah, and amen. So, Jesus was emphasizing the supreme value of the kingdom of God compared to anything else. Sometimes, it's because we don't compare. Yesterday, I mean, the choir sang a song by some lady. This lady, I'm going to sing a couple of songs. Hymns. And I'll ask you what they have in common. There's this hymn. It's the Yoruba version I know. There's an English version which my wife showed me. But listen, some of you know it. Okay, maybe you don't know that one. What does that song have to do in common with To God be the glory Great things He has done Love in the world that He gave us His Son and His life as atonement for sin and hope of the life gift that all may go. Oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let us Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of 
of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of blood, blood of the same person, Fanny Crosby. Her story was she was born blind. No, she got blind a few years after birth. And though she didn't have eyes, we are singing our song hundreds of years after. Because she could focus on the kingdom, on God, and, 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 and on his presence. She, she wrote over a thousand poems. And when they asked her about her blindness, here's what she says. She says, it seems intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life. And I thank him for this dispensation. If perfect healthy sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to praise my God if I had been distracted by the beautiful and interesting thing about me. Wow. So many times, we just go through a small problem. Then we begin to curse God. Oh, we don't, we don't curse him directly. But we warn him. I've seen people warn God. That God, God. <laughs> A lady said to her pastor one time, that pastor, pastor, wait, what are, we, what are we even praying about now? She said, pastor, if I were God, and God were asking me this, I would have answered him since now. You know what she's saying? She's more merciful than the most merciful. She's more compassionate than the most compassionate. We grumble. It's not about to, to connect to, to the kingdom of life and draw life. We compare ourselves. Instead of us to sit with God and become all that God has created us to be. So the value of being with God eternally makes everything on earth worthless. And that is what Jesus was trying to say to us. If your hand causes you to sin, chop it off and throw it away. Don't toy with sin. 
It can take you to hell. You see, why, while faith in Jesus is the only thing you need to get to heaven, faith in Jesus will take you to heaven. You don't need any other thing. Faith in Jesus will take you to heaven. But guess what? Sin, continuing in sin, will take you to hell. Faith in Jesus will take you to heaven. Continuing in sin will take you to hell. Who said it? Jesus said it himself. So choose today. What will it be, my brother? What, it, what will it be, my sister? However, a mere amputation of your hand and your foot or your removal of your eyes does not alter the condition of your heart. And it is the condition of your heart that determines your eternal destiny. Jesus was just using it to point out how significant the issue of sin is. But mere amputation does not, does not sort that out. It is only the Holy Spirit that can change the condition of the heart of man. Only the Holy Spirit. So such actions as, as amputation, as drastic and dramatic as they are, they are grossly insufficient for a transformed heart. Grossly insufficient. A theologian called Origen, 300 AD, learned this the hard way. He read Matthew 19.12, when Jesus says, some became eunuchs for the purpose of the kingdom, and he castrated himself. He emasculated himself. <laughs> Only to discover that that is not what is required. <laughs> you can be castrated <laughs> and still commit adultery. Did you know that? And before we go very far, you see, sometimes we think righteousness is just useful for the by and by. Righteousness is just useful. Oh, when I get to heaven, oh, righteousness, oh, will pay off when I get to heaven, the eternity. And yes, it will. And that is important. And that is enough. But you see, the way God worked it is that righteousness will also determine your greatness here on earth. It's, it's beautiful. It's not only value for heaven, it's value for earth. Show you, I'll show you. It's in the Bible. Hebrews 1 9. The word of God says, You have loved righteousness and have hated iniquity. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of gladness. God will exalt you to the level of your love for righteousness and your hatred for iniquity. That's what, it says. That's what it says. Proverbs 14.34, popular scripture. It says, Proverbs 14.34, it says, Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. Exalts. Do you want to be exalted? Do you want to be exalted? Righteousness exalts. Do you want to be far away from reproach? Stay away from sin. Because sin will bring a reproach to any people. God is not a respecter of persons. Sin will bring a reproach to any people. So, eh, pastor, I'm trying to be righteous. No. It's not about macho. It's not about 
self-will. It's not about teeth gritting. It's not about full concentration. Let me concentrate this week. I'm going to be righteous. No. So, so, Pastor, what is the key? The key to righteousness is surrender. It's just surrender. Just surrender to Jesus. The key to righteousness is to surrender, not amputation. The key to righteousness is to surrender to him, not to amputate your hands. He prefers you surrender your eyes to plucking it out. He prefers you surrender your feet to amputating it. He prefers you surrender your hands. He prefers you surrender your life. Take my life and let it be consecrated. My moments and my days let them flow in ceaseless praise. Let them flow in Take my hands and let them He prefers you surrender to your amputation. He prefers you surrender your life than for you to lose your life in hell. Surrender is the key. Just surrender. And you are saying this morning, Pastor, I need to surrender to Jesus. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I've been trying to reason it out. I've been, I've been struggling on my own. I want to surrender my life today. Finally, I get it. Finally, I get it. I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to pray with you, my brother. I want to pray with you, my sister. That is you. You don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. That is me, Pastor. Put up your hands now over your head. I will pray together. Quickly, God bless you. Over there, my sister. God bless you. Over there, back there. God bless you. Keep your hands up. God bless you. Right there. God bless you. At the back. At the back. God bless you, my brother. I can see your hand. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Jesus. Jesus, I'm surrendering to you. Lift your hands to Jesus as a sign of surrender. That is me. Pastor, God bless you. Can put up your hand, put up your hand. Well, 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 well. God bless you. If you have the card, you can put on the card. You can put on the card. God bless you right there. God bless you, my sister. Keep in front of her here. God bless you. That is me. I'm surrendering my life. I'm surrendering my life. I'm surrendering my life. God bless you right there. God bless you. God bless you, my brother, right there. God bless you. That is me. I'm surrounding my life, my whole life. I refuse to struggle. I've been struggling. I've been trying to reason it out. I've been trying to rationalize it. Now, finally, I know the key is to surrender. 
surrender, 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 surrender. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Now I want to make a second call. This call is for believers. First and foremost, I want us to pray before I make the call. I want you to pray. Everybody, you're going to say to the Lord, I don't know what you need to let go of. Maybe it's your eyes. I'm not telling you to pluck it out. Please don't. I hope you don't. But I want you to surrender your eyes to Jesus. So that your eyes doesn't roam about with everything that passes that is in skirt. I want you to surrender your hands to Jesus. I want you to surrender your legs. Maybe your legs have been carrying you to where God has sent you. I want you to surrender your legs to Jesus. Let's talk to God. Now, this call is, is, is for those that you are saying, Pastor, you know, this is not for everybody, please. It's for those that you are saying, Pastor, I know I need a touch from God. This is my eyes. I need a divine intervention, though. If God doesn't step into this thing, I said, This is my leg. I need divine intervention. This is my hands. I don't want it chopped up, but I want to surrender it. I need a divine intervention. I want to come to God's altar as a sign of faith and lay it down. So get up and come. Just you. Maybe one person, maybe two people, but get up and come. God wants you to do this. As you're coming, I want you to focus on God. I want to focus on God and God alone. I want you to talk to God. Say, I have come to you, Lord. I, I let go of my eyes. Lord, have mercy upon me. I let go. I surrender my hands. Lord, I need a divine intervention. I surrender my legs. Oh, God of heaven. If you are seated, why don't you stretch out your hands and let's pray for ourselves. Let's pray for our brothers. Let's pray for our sisters. That there will be an encounter today. That there will be total separation. That God will take these eyes, these hands, these legs as they brought, they brought them to God. That God himself will receive these sacrifices. Song, sing it to God, cry it. Cry. 
Sing this song to God. Purify me, purify me as gold. Oh, so I might be bold to say, Father in heaven, we pray for everyone that has come forward today. They've taken these steps to you. Lord, your word says we should draw near unto you and you will draw near unto us. As they've come to you today to surrender their eyes, their hands, their legs, their lives. Lord, receive these sacrifices. Cleanse this limbs. Cleanse these lives. And fill them with your power. Change these hearts. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. God bless you. May be seated. Let's pray together for the Lord. To save my body is your sanctity. Oh, purify me, Lord. Purify me as gold. Oh, so I might be bold to save my body. 